So today, um, we are going to be talking on uh, the topic of, of pride. And I want to talk to you guys about pride for the simple fact that, that God, God hates pride. You know, there's a, there's a short list of things that, that God hates, and, and, and pride's one of them. And before we, we get started in the, the topic of pride, um, I want to go and, and, and talk to you guys about just a little intro. And in the latter part of the last millennia, a popular lyricist arose from the southern portion of the United States, and his name was Robert Matthew Van Winkle. And in the summer of 1999, he dropped this classic. And, I, and I'm going to play a portion of it for you guys, and I think once you hear this song, you'll be able to, to sing along with it. And there's a part just in that song that... I think that will go along with our story of pride. So I'm going to have them play it, and let's see if you can sing along. Yeah. Oh, come on, who remembers? Come on, go back with me, y'all. Come on. No dancing? Oh, there it is. Kim's feeling it. Listen, this is the good part. Oh, there it is. All right. Listen, I know y'all weren't, weren't here at the 9 o'clock, but they, I think they might have sung that a little louder than y'all did. I mean, 9 o'clock's getting rowdy. I mean, it is an old reference. It is from 1990, so maybe I should start coming to the early service so I can, you know, give me my afternoon nap quicker. So, but, but Vanilla Ice says, you know, and that reference is from the last millennia, but I still think that that's sage advice for us today, that we should stop, we should be able to collaborate, and we, we definitely need to, to listen. So... I'm going to break down Mr. Van Winkle's words, <laughs> Mr. Ice, and, and we're going to go through it real quick. And you know, the first thing he tells us to do is, is to stop, and that means to cease, to cease what you're doing. You know, uh, as I've come on staff here and, and, and in my new role uh, as a pastor, you know, Pastor Jason's challenging me to grow, and one of the things that I'm learning that I need to do throughout my daily life, is to stop, is to be more reflective, you know, because when you take a moment to stop, you can evaluate what's going on around us. You see, time and experience does not bring wisdom. It, it, it just makes you old. Yeah. What, what brings wisdom is time, experience, and reflection. Good. See, when you stop to realize what you are doing, you can learn from that. Because how many people know that we can get down the road and, and, and just go keep going on and on and on, and, and the next thing you know, you look up and you don't even know where you are. It's like jumping in your car, 65 South, we're going to Disneyland, and you let go of the steering wheel. <laughs> Do you think you're going to make it to see the mouse? No. You're probably going to make it to... To the rumble strips. Because, see, if we don't stop and be reflective, it's so easy to just drift. And how many people know that when we start drifting, we, we very rarely get to where we actually want to go? Right? So, collaborating. That means working jointly on an activity, especially to produce great somethings. 
This is where Vanilla Ice reminds us to, to not go at life alone, but to collaborate, to have a discussion. It's a great place to have a discussion with God. God, what's your plan for my life? God, what's your will for me? You could look around this room and see people and go, I want to be where they are in five years. You know what you do? Collaborate. How do you collaborate? You know what? You are amazing. Can we go to coffee? I'll buy. Or can we go to dinner? Or how did you get from point A to point B? You know, you could even tell them, hey, ice, ice, baby, ice, ice cream. Let's go. Let's go have a date. Let's go meet for some popsicles. Look at this ice theme is running through here. Let's go get some popsicles and just have like a five-minute powwow and always be constantly checking up, collaborating. We are trying to produce something great. God doesn't want average for us. He wants great. So how do we do that? Let's collaborate with him. The last bit of Vanilla Ice's instructions for us is to listen. It's to give attention to someone or something in order to hear from them. You know, when we do all the talking, we do zero learning. Because as we talk, it's one-way information. The only thing that is being broadcast is the, is the stuff that is inside of us. So if we're the ones that are always doing the one-way communication, the only information that can come out is what is in us. So when we stop and we listen, we're often able to cut off potential problems before they become a problem. When you hear of an issue, you can understand the issue even before it becomes an issue. Listening is taking the time to understand what we are being told, and it's an opportunity to learn and grow. Like I said earlier, the topic that we're going to discuss today is pride. And it's important because pride separates us from God. Now, it says, uh, it says that pride comes before a fall. You know, God hates pride. But what I do want to let you know is, is that God loves you so much. And his desire is to have a relationship with you today. He wants to be with you, but pride can stop us from having that relationship. So no matter where you are in your faith today, know that God doesn't hate you. He hates pride. God loves you. You know, God, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we may have life. So, you know, pride is on, is on like I said, on that, that short list of things that he hates. You know, pride can to lead us to go without, without guidance. And what we tend to do when we lose the sight of God's vision for us is we start to set our own rules and our own guidelines. See, we're going to look in the, the first book of Samuel here in a few minutes and see how King Saul 
is separated from God because of his pride and how his pridefulness causes the demise of Israel's first king. See, pride comes in in many forms, and I'm going to give you just a few examples of how pride can affect me, you, people around us. There are, are so many different types of pridefulness. You know, just let's think about a really common one that's a, an, an epidemic. It's, it's kind of new, and that's, that's social media pride. You know, who hasn't spent countless hours scrolling on Facebook going, I'm so glad it didn't work out with her. <laughs> Woo, she is a mess. Hold on, that goes with this guy and that baby. I don't know, it's a mess. Social media is like the modern-day town square. It's where people grab their religious rulers. It's, their, it's where they bring out their personal standards and apply them to everybody else so they feel better than everybody else. You know, it's, uh, you know we used to try to keep up with the Joneses, and now we're trying to keep up with 1.8 million monthly Facebook users. And that, that could, that's tough. You know, I'm sure you could look all through those people and eventually find somebody that's going to make you feel better than they are. What, there's another common move when it comes to, to pridefulness, and that's not just your own personal pridefulness, but that's how it can, it, you can use it this way. You can say, who's done this move? Babe, come here. You're over here on the couch, not watching your Netflix, but you're just scrolling. Look, look at these two. Look, they're a mess. Aren't you glad we're not like them? High five. You just roped your spouse into like this Judge Judy-style kangaroo court of judgment. You're the judge, they're the bailiff. Let's go to break. What about, what about healthy living? People can be so judgmental about just the, the silliest things. Like, think about this one. I, I mean, I wish, I wish I made so much money that I could go to Whole Foods and buy that $10.99 per pound chicken breast. I mean, I wish I was so rich and concerned about my health that I could shop at Whole Check. I mean, Whole Foods. You know, uh, you know what about this one as far as uh, food and who, who lets their kids eat at McDonald's? That stuff is trash. I wouldn't even feed that stuff to my kids. Man, you know, it's so funny how we can just get caught up on what other people do and what I do and how we feel like, oh, I'm so much better than they are. You know, speaking of another example of just like pridefulness, hashtag mom shame. Hashtag mom shame. Anybody ever like been around and felt some mom shame? I mean, I know that, you know, for Karen and I, like our kids are a little grown, a little more grown up. So that's more of like, I'm glad we don't let our kids run around like those kids or don't. They can't have a sleepover because I don't know if we want our kids to be around their kids. You know, it's, or you feel, this, you feel this kind of, of shame. Can you, can you believe that over there? Look, look at her. Look at her. Doesn't she know bre- breastfeeding's the best way for a newborn baby to be fed? She, she's not even using the, the right kind of bottles. Like, ugh. You know, I, a little side note here. Have you noticed as I'm going through talking about pridefulness? I'm kind of changing the way I'm talking. Because I want you all to know that this is not coming out of my mouth. These are, these are fake people's voices because there's no way I would ever say anything 
like that. Right? Okay, I'm going to give you a... You know, profitableness can come anyway. You know, skinny people can be judgmental against big people. Big people are like, you work out too much. You just don't know how to enjoy yourself. You can be like, you can be, uh, you're so busy chasing dollars that you don't trust and faithfully in the Lord. He'll provide. There's all kinds of ways that we can just put ourselves up against a pedestal against each other. Here, okay, I'm going to give you one more example. And that's, you know, I'm a, I'm a South Ender. I'm, I'm from Louisville. I've lived in two zip codes my whole life, and I know that I've heard this hundreds and hundreds of times. See, I would never move out of the South End. I don't care how much money I make. I don't care how bad it gets. So that's the problem with people. They make a little money, and they think they need to go across town over the snobby East End. I bet those people over there with their fancy cars and, and big houses and all that, you know what, they're probably up their eyeballs in debt just trying to impress people they don't even care about. Can I get a shout-out from all my South End people? Where are y'all at? Woo! See what I did there? South End Pride. All right, now that everybody's on board on the Pride bus, we know that we can listen and learn from something today. You know, no matter what part of town you're from, you know, there's one thing that, that bonds us together as Louisvillians, and, and that's the, the Kentucky Derby. And, and you all know that I, I just said that I live in the South End, and when the horse racing capital of the world is in your backyard, there's two options, I think, and that's you're either all in or I'm out. And where Karen and I live, we try to get out because it's too much traffic for us. But with that being said, um, if anybody's got like third level Skybox tickets for next year's Derby and y'all want to bless a brother, you can meet me in the lobby. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, but Karen and I, you know, we live so close. We were like, you know, we're going to drop the kids off that day. We're going to be super intentional. I love her. She's the best. Let's get away. So we decided to go to Lexington for the day. We were going to go... Uh, go shopping and have lunch and, and just spend time together. And so we were, we were traveling, and while we were traveling, Karen, channeling her inner vanilla ice, high top fade, starter jacket, two cuts in the eyebrow, she was like, we need to stop, collaborate, and listen. Word to your mother. She was like, we need to have a conversation. So she turns down the radio and and this is where this whole thing came about. We had this great conversation about pridefulness and how pride between the two of us and ourselves and pride between God separates us from having a healthy relationship. And I'll tell you, one thing living with a Puerto Rican woman for the last 11 years has taught me something about living with prideful people. I'm talking about me, not, not Karen. No, but, you know, there has been many opportunities when Karen will be in a rage and will grab a chuncleta. If you don't know what that is, it's a flip-flop. It's a Latin woman's tool that turns magically into a Bowie knife, and she will chase you around the room talking about I'm right and you're wrong. And it's very scary. Pray for her and her pridefulness. <laughs> no, but you can see it, it, it affects us all, all different ways. In Psalms 5.5, 5, it says this. It says, it says, therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence. 
In some translations, the word pride is described as, as haughty eyes. And when I hear of haughty eyes, I, I think of the, the eye roll emoji. And you can just be like, here they are. You send that eye roll emoji to all your friends, and you're like, yeah, that guy. Whoever felt like that before? You're like, and then, and that is what I want to get to today is when you're feeling like that, know that that feeling is causing a separation from God. And it's not that God leaves us. Because, see, that's what's good about God. He's everywhere. But he, he wants us to be in his presence and be him be the center of our lives. But our pridefulness removes us from him. So you see how that action works there? It's, it's our actions that removes us from God. So when we eye roll emoji, we are saying that our pridefulness is more important than God's presence. So in the, in the first book of Samuel, we find a story of the first king of Israel. See, at this point, Israel was, was ruled by, by a holy man, like a prophet, a priest. He would get direction from God and tell the people of Israel how things were to go. Uh, which way do we need to walk? Uh, how are we going to eat? God, we're starving. Can you do something? Oh, send you quail. That was not a king. That was a man of God that got those directions. But see, it came to, it came to a point in Israel's history where they decided that the, the lineage of the leadership, they, weren't, they didn't like it. Samuel, the current prophet, had two sons that were in line to be the next leader. But see, they were not like Samuel, they were awful. They were rude. They were liars. They were cheaters. In the Bible, it calls them scoundrels. And Israel's like, you're cool. You're not. So they wanted to change leadership styles because of who was coming next. The other reason that Israel wanted a different change is found in Samuel, 1 Samuel 8.20. In the Bible, it says, they wanted to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. See, the people of God wanted to be like everybody else. So they thought that God's plan for their life was not as important as fitting in with what everybody else was doing. So how many times in your life do you look around and you see God moving in other people's lives and you're like, oh, why can't I be more like them? Why can't I have this kind of job like these people make that kind of money? Why has God put me through this? And see, your pridefulness and seeing how God operates in other people's lives is removing you from what God wants you for your life and allowing him to give you his plan. So when you judge yourself and see a way of everybody else and how God's working in their life and you want that, that pridefulness separates you from what God has planned for you. So we see King Saul, we see King Saul here, and we got the man of God, we got Samuel, and his newfound job is to appoint a king. This is the first time this is ever gonna happen. So he's over there and he's got like the scroll and he's he's filling out the job requirements, and he's like, How am I gonna find a guy that's gonna replace these things? And God made it super easy for him. See, King Saul came from uh, came from his dad's house, which was Kish. He was a rich man. He was he was very influential, and he had a lot of a lot of property. And when Samuel found him, he was out looking 
for his dad's donkeys. He was a very humble man that would take on responsibility so much as to, to do whatever his dad wanted. If that was chasing donkeys, plowing the fields. And when, and when, King, when Samuel went to find King Saul, he made it super easy. He's like, you'll find him. He's working humbly. He was the tallest, most handsome, best-looking donkey hunter the world has ever known. So if you were trying to get that job description, it's already been filled. So, so what happens when, when, Saul, when King Saul is crowned by Samuel and he's got this newfound role with these new responsibilities? Like the Lord came to me and told me, you're going to rule over Israel. He went home to his father's house and got back to doing what his dad told him. Plow the fields, do the regular labor. He didn't get a big head about himself. He was very humble. I know if you came to me and gave me the, king, the keys to a brand new kingdom and said, Joe, we want you to rule over and reign over however you want, I'd have hopped on Chariot Force One, took a tour of the kingdom, and found the blessed pot of land to build my new castle. That's me. But King Saul here, he was super humble. We find later in the story when he is crowned king in front of everybody. See, Samuel found King Saul, appointed him and anointed him. But then there was a battle where he got, uh, King Saul got his, his incredible Hulk on. He, he ripped a couple oxes in half in front of people because he was so angry because Israel was getting attacked. And then he won the battle. He was able to rally 330,000 people on his first battle. He was a born leader. And so what they decided to do after this first victory, they were going to throw a party and announce him. So Samuel calls all the nations together. He's like, hey, everybody come. I want to have this big like coronation. It's like, it was like the royal wedding yesterday. The whole world was watching. And so when they finally go to, to appoint and show King Saul off to all the nations, what happens? It says in the Bible, it says that, so they were looking for him, and they asked the Lord, where is he? It says here in, in, in later part in verse 22, he's hiding among your baggage. King Saul was so humble that he did not take the place of honor that the people were giving him to be on display. He just wanted to lead gracefully in the background, but he's over here hiding in their luggage. So how can you imagine, like, going into, like, a coronation speech and, like, hey, our main speaker is blah, 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 or King Saul, and you look around, and, you know, he's hiding over there in the Samsonite rack. You're like, oh, well, there he is. You know, and, and that's where the, the story of King Saul is great. But then there's a turn in that story. There's an opportunity for him to go into another battle, but King Saul was, was just a king. See, he wasn't a priest. And in that time, there they had to do a burnt offering. There was a job that was made for one person, and that was Samuel. And he didn't wait for Samuel. He didn't wait on him. His pride was like, I can handle that position. I know I'm a king. I can take care of it. And so he did the burnt offering. God was very upset with that because he got out of God's plan for him. There's another story where he was supposed to... Uh, he was supposed to go and destroy all the king's army and all the, all the people of this one nation that was attacking Israel. And he thought it was better, and he had a better plan to 
build an altar, celebrate his own victory, build a monument and says, look what I did. So he lost his humility. He was, he was enthralled with the power that he had been given and decided to do it his, his way. You know, and, and it goes on, and, and, and King Saul just less dependent on God, less dependent on God, less dependent on God. And eventually, God leaves him. He loses his job, and then King David is appointed to rule over Israel. And I think what we can learn here, the antidote for, for pride is, is humility. And I, I think what happened in the story of King Saul is, is he lost his humility. He lost his ability to understand that God had a plan for him, a specific plan, and it was because he became prideful in his own abilities. Well, how do you, how do you fight pride, Pastor Joe? How do, you, how do we stay humble? And I, I think Vanilla Ice, I think he said it best, when we, when we need to stop, collaborate, and listen to what God is, is telling us. So, how, how do, we, do we stop? How do we stop? How do we collaborate? How do we, how do we listen? Well, in the time that we have left, I'm going to talk to you guys about uh, Psalm 139. And, and in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Trust me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, at this point, if we do what Vanilla Ice tells us to do, God will do what God does. He will search us. He will teach us. He will test us. And and he, he will lead us. Asking God to search us and to know our heart it's like, it's like taking your phone to the, to the Apple store. It's like taking your iPhone to the Apple store, going to the back and handing your phone over to an Apple genius and saying, hey, I don't know what, it's broken, fix it. You ever done that? You ever taken your computer technology somewhere and next thing you know, they're in some screen, they're like DOS prompt and you're like, what's going on here? And they've, before you know it, they've got in there, figured everything out that was wrong with it and you didn't even know half the stuff was broken. You just thought I had a cracked screen. When you ask God to search you, it's like taking your phone to a technician and putting your thumb on the button and giving him the passcode. When we open up to God, he already knows our thoughts. When he searches us, he's not going to find nothing that he doesn't already know about it. But it, when we stop we're allowing him to search us and for us to be a part of that search, part of that collaboration, because we want to be together to achieve something special. God has something special for us, and he wants to be a part of that. You know, when he searches, here's something so, so good. When we let God search our heart, God learns how we think about him. And when we allow God to search our heart, he will let us know how he feels about us. If you are worried today that when God searches you, he's going to beat you with a hammer, he's going to correct you, 
mean, he's a ruler, he's a judge. No, God, God is a good father. When you allow him to search your heart, you allow him to change your heart. You allow him to get in through that passcode, that password, and allow you to realign your operating system to how he thinks. Not how you think, how he thinks. So he searches us and he teaches us. You know, in the next part, it comes, he's going to test us. Like, uh, what, Pastor Joe? God, God's going to put me to a test? Well, here's what I mean by that. Pray for patience and then see if things go smoothly. You know, to know how strong you are, you've got to throw weights on the rack. You know, I told a guy in the hallway a minute ago, I'm over here trying to flex this muscle, but if I don't go to the gym, I'll never bench 300. You know, if, if I don't rely on my faith and allow God to teach me through testing, I'll stay the same person. I'll never, I'll, I'll never be able to flex that muscle. It's back, to what, it's back to what Vanilla Ice, our life coach, taught us about, lis- about listening. If we do all the talking What will come out? Only what we know. But if we allow God to teach us, if we listen to the great instructor, we will learn what he wants us to do. We'll be allowed to walk walk that out. You know the good thing about a test? It'll teach you how strong you are. And you know the good thing about life? Trials and tests will always come. So if you didn't pass this test with straight A's, don't worry, you'll have another one. And along with testing, searching, comes leading. And see, this is, this is the best part. I know I said the other part was so good, but you know what's better than good? The best. <laughs> the best part is, is that when God has searched this out, He's he's taught us how he feels about us. He's teaching us through testing. Is he leads us. And how does he lead us? He leads us through the Holy Spirit. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to to come into our lives and give him a place to where we can hear from him, it's a constant guide. God, I I screwed up, God. It's right here. Listen to that guidance. Thank thank you, God, for, for allowing me to go through this test. God, I don't want to be prideful in the way I react. I don't want to do it Joe's way. I want to do it God's way. Well, how do I do that? Listen. Listen. You know, remember that the collaboration is working on an activity, especially to produce something great. Work alongside the Holy Spirit to get to a great place, a great achievement. You know, in, in, in Ephesians 5, 17, it says, don't, don't act foolishly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You know, thoughtless can also be translated as, as foolish. You know, and how many people know that we can act pridefully when, when we act foolishly? I know when I'm walking through life, not listening, not collaborating with God, I do foolish things. I act foolishly. I'm not concerned about what God's will is in my life. I'm usually defaulting back to Joe's plan because I've stopped listening to him. 
I've stopped, I've stopped collaborating with him. I'm so busy that I don't even want to slow down for a second to check and see if I'm even what he want, doing what he wants me to do. So, so don't act foolishly. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't, don't be prideful. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. And I'm, I'm just so thankful that the Holy Spirit and God wants to teach us. He wants to search us out, and he wants to lead us. Let's pray.